0: to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church Podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm here with Pastor Andrew to talk about this next episode. Pastor Andrew, what are we gonna be talking about in this episode?
1: Well, on this Prophecy Hour, we're gonna talk just a little bit about prophecy, but not much. We're going to talk more about the climate of society. Landon, have you ever heard the term, watch the water? no I haven't so there's a there's a term called watch the water that's swimming out there in the interwebs and uh, but I I'm considering in this episode watch the food there is some pretty nefarious stuff happening in our food in the United States and even beyond So we're going to talk about that. And then uh, we're going to talk about the days of Noah a little bit. A warrior known as Nimrod. We'll touch on that. And, uh, you know, I just really want to remind everybody that they need to put their hope in Jesus and things are going to get worse before it gets better. And Jesus is coming soon.
0: Well, let's get into it. Thanks.
1: Let's start with something light. (laughs) We're going to need it. So last week we talked about New Jerusalem. I had a lot of fun talking about that, Revelation chapter 21. We talked about how New Jerusalem was a 1,500-mile cube, and we talked about how big that actually is and how over 100 billion people could fit in this city and, and how there'd still be plenty of room. And even with 100 billion people, we talked about how we would have what's equivalent of about a half a square mile as far as acreage goes. We talked about how New Jerusalem with this cube and the city was stacked. And and that's hard for us to understand because the only thing we can comprehend is buildings that go up from the ground. But this is a whole city that's like this. We talked about how when you do the math of how the city is so tall that each layer could have a thousand foot ceiling. So each layer in New Jerusalem, would have its own sky. And so I saw a video the other day that kind of helped me understand, because I've had a hard time, understanding if the throne of Jesus is the light that emanates for the city, because that's where the temple is, is in the center. How does that light the city? Because I don't know about you, but when I walk around a wall and I close the door and I go in a room, the light that's out there won't get in there, right? But then you read about New Jerusalem and how it's translucent. And the walls in New Jerusalem and the that surround it, they're not like brick. They're gold and they're jewels and they're translucent. And so I think... Humanity is trying to make an effort to build something like it. There's a video called The Line. Let's watch that, and this has audio.
0: For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature, The line will be home to nine million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers. And we are designing it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality of life. The line's communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have access to all their daily needs within five minute walk neighborhoods and the line's infrastructure makes it possible to travel end-to-end in 20 minutes with no need for cars, resulting in zero carbon emissions. By leveraging AI technology, services are autonomous, saving you time and effort. Designed by world-leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers long and housed within an elegant mirror glass facade. Intelligent solutions create efficiency and year-round temperate microclimate with natural ventilation. Energy and water supplies are 100% renewable. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views and immediate access to the surrounding nature with 40% of the world accessible within six hours at the heart of the globe's key trade routes, a place for commerce and communities to thrive like nothing on earth seen before. The Line, the city that delivers new wonders for the world.
1: So this thing is not just conceptual. This is going to be built in Saudi Arabia. Uh, They're already laying out the footprint of this thing, but I bring this to you not as a how could they, because normally that's what I bring to you, (laughs) how audacious and prideful of humanity. No, I bring this to you because this, to me, helps me picture a little bit better what New Jerusalem might be like. That now in my head, I can see how the community, how the city can be open in such a way to where there can be a central thing that emanates and lights the whole city, that the translucent panels of it all could actually become a reality. Now, the, the thing about it is, is the line may, may never be built simply because if the Lord returns, then we'll get the much better version of that, Amen. Because even as it's talking about, frankly, kilometers and meters, I am I'm go, what is that? Can you speak English? <laughs> and then I'm reminded that every other nation in the world uses the metric system except for us. And so who am I really mad at? So anyway, New Jerusalem will make this city pale in comparison to its size and its scope. Now... Let's pray. Lord, help us unpack what you want us to see, help us to have enough time for what's important, and help us have fun and hope, even though we're going to learn some things in this world that are really messed up. Lord, we know that you're in charge of it all, you're sovereign, and that our faith is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Pastor's Prophecy Hour, which is what this is, is about unpacking some end times, and typically we'll bring in some Current events. We'll talk about some macro timelines type stuff, um, and and I'm gonna go through a couple of things if I can. But let me just remind you that as we're talking about these things, it, it cannot be said enough. The two ideas that I keep coming back to is when Jesus starts laying out everything from earthquakes to wars to famines and and all of these things then he talks about as it was in the days of Noah, people will be partying and having marriages and wedding ceremonies and and going to work as it was in the days of Noah and talking about the evil of those days, so it will be in the end of times. And so when we look around the world and we see how evil it is and how rough it might be, we need to be reminded that that's prophesied that it, it might be, not might be, it will be, and it will get worse before it gets better, unless, which is the other side of it, that I do believe that one of the greatest, uh, scripturally, that one of the greatest, um, I think it's uh, First Timothy, we talked about it last week, uh, chapter three, that talks about the great falling away, the great apostasy that happens right before the rapture of the church. So if we're still here, then we've got work to be done, right? And so I I pray, Lord, if I'm still here, then that means that there's going to be a move of your spirit and revival in the land, and let me be a part of it. Uh, But the flip side of that coin is Jesus is coming back. So we've got to live in such a way where we're leaning in toward toward the return of Jesus, but we're also got our shoulders pressed against that plow of working the harvest for the kingdom's sake. Now, all that being said, let's talk about some crazy stuff that's going on in the world. So tonight, I want to talk to you about food. Oh, I'll just tell you. The United Nations, the European Union, have bought into this idea that insects are the next source of protein for the world. Why? Because they take less space than the cow. Well a group of scientists got together and determined that the insect takes less space than the cow. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of the trust the science mantra. And, and, And I'm a little reserved because when it says United Nations or EU or just pick anything, starts pushing something, I go, oh, wait a minute. Do... Do I want to buy into this hook, line, and sinker? And what have I told you often if you've been around much? Make sure you're, if you're ingesting and taking in these things that you read and hear on the news cycle, make sure you're looking at it through a Christocentric perspective. Put Jesus in there. Put scripture in there. The only place I can see where God deals with food and the cleanliness of food throughout the Old Testament, there's all these rules, but then he says, Peter... Here's a vision. In Acts chapter 10, Peter sees a vision and, and the Bible tells us that he looks and he sees animals of every kind, reptiles and birds. <laughs> but but you know what he doesn't see? Bugs. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, I like the survival shows. And one of the things I like the survival shows is it's amazing to me that somebody out there surviving for two or three weeks that hasn't eaten anything makes a worm look really delicious. They're like, oh, this is the greatest thing. Oh, it's it's so great. But I don't think God designed us to eat that stuff. What they say is, according to the UN report, is that eating more insects could help fight world hunger. But to what end? The nutritional value, it is said, of insects is high protein. High fat and mineral content is particularly important as a food supplement for undernourished children. I, I, I watch Shark Tank from time to time, and it's been a few times now I've seen them. Hey, I got this cricket flower. I've got this bug flower. I've got this protein powder made of... Grasshoppers, or whatever the case may be, but they bring it and the shark tanks, they're only thinking about money, of course. And I think to myself, gross. Insects are extremely efficient, the report says, converting food into edible meat, converting feed into edible meat. In other words, they're making impossible whoppers with crickets. They need 12 times less feed than cattle okay I'm going to translate this statement that talks about emissions they don't do that as much (laughs) today we find in the EU that there are many restaurants that have now begun to list this as a delicacy And there is a push for humanity to begin to accept this. Why? Why? If they're pushing this, then why do we think this is where they're taking us? So we we all know that the UN, the EU, and anything like that, there's an African Federation of Nations as well. There's a Latin American loose conglomerate of nations. Anything like that in essence, is the foundation or the building blocks for the one world order. We all know that. And so can I tell you, though, that many, many, and we have a dietitian here, so she could correct me, but at the end of the day, the studies have shown is what they lack, insects lack, is soluble fiber. In other words, you cannot digest it without getting something else in there that helps you digest that. So what that means is, is if they're pitching this to the world that we should be eating this, then at the end of the day, we may find ourselves sicker than we were before. Where we're running away from conventional means of nutrition, fish, chicken, even red meat for that matter, we run away from these conventional means means of nutrition and to the alternate uh, thing that is, quote unquote, sustainable, we may find ourselves doing more harm than good. They did an experiment on 300 household farms and pet stores, including a, a variety of different bugs. And what they found is not only about the soluble fiber, but they have also found that insects, and this is going to blow your mind, have more parasites than other animals. Uh, shocking. Shocking. So where I, they almost had me. They almost had me. I thought, you know, I can take extra soluble fiber. I'll be fine. But then the parasites, you know, I'm going to draw the line in the sand here. But in all seriousness, they have said 80 to 90% of all cases involving these studies with insects found parasites that could be deadly to humans. Eat this. (laughs) We can feed the children this. I mean, come on. So I I want to set the stage with all of that by saying no matter what we read, learn, or consume as far as the headlines, we've got to be careful to know that the days of Noah are evil and the days of Noah are categorized in two ways that not only everything that mankind does, but everything that mankind thinks about doing is evil. So when man, when the powers of the world begin to say, let's do this, we just need to have caution in our spirit. I don't know how long you've been upon the earth, but I have never seen bugs pushed as a source of protein for humanity. Anybody with me? If you saw it, then you might have lived in a different season and age, alternate dimension. Anyway, we won't get into that tonight. Let me give a second thing about food that I learned this past week. Smithville pork. I you guys enjoyed barbecue night tonight. Bless the Lord. Thankful I'm not under the law anymore. I can eat that. All right. Smithville pork, which was the largest producer of pork products in the United States, the third largest in the world, was bought in 2020 by a company called Shang that is funded and owned by the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, the Chinese National Bank, called China Bank, approved the purchase of this company in one day. Our United States government checked it back in 2020. billion later, the third largest producer of pork in the United States and uh, in the world and first in the United States is now owned by the Chinese. That's an FYI story. But what it shows us is the enemies of this nation, if they ever want to turn off supply, they can, like, like we can, for these different, Conflicts that we've seen over the years. The third observation I made uh, about food is that GMO, you got, how many of you guys have heard that? GMO. GMO has been this practice of biology and food scientists where they try to manipulate different fru- fruits and vegetables to make them. for what they say, to make them cheaper and more, here's that word again, sustainable. But, But what has happened is, is in manipulating the fruits and veggies, it changes the seed of said fruits and veggies. And now the company that has manipulated everything about that fruit or that vegetable that now has the seed that's needed to plant it again has a patent on that. Which means they now can sell that or not and the if you grow a garden in your backyard, you can pick seeds all you want and grow whatever you want. But in our nation, this GMO thing has led to people making more money than they've ever made before on the sale of seeds because now they literally own what the corn is and how it's made and everything else that goes with the corn. I saw a picture the other day of... Uh, What watermelon used to look like and it had a little bit of fruit a little bit of pink and a whole lot of green now I am not mad at science for changing that one but all I'm wanting to bring to your attention today is there's a saying that is going around a lot of places that says watch the water and I would say watch the food too because the more that we see our food sources and food supply controlled by smaller and smaller groups of people, where does this take us? That when a one-world government is installed and says, you cannot eat and buy food to eat unless you take the mark, right? And if we've got farms and farms and farms out there, and we've, we've been through this before, and you may not know this, and you're about to find out, that Bill Gates is the single largest landowner of farmland in the United States. You mean the Microsoft guy? Yes. Did a study on it and Google it and find it out. Why is he buying farms? Because when he buys them, they close. Because he is very involved in the GMO side of things. Pastor, what if I buy organic? I love y'all. What labels something organic in the United States? There's an organization that approves organic. It's it's called the USDA. I don't know about you, but all those organizations over the past couple of years, I'm kind of looking at them like, do y'all even know what you're talking about? The USDA, consider this. In order to label a product as organic, the product must have the following characteristics. Contain at least 95% of organic ingredients. That's pretty good. Did an illustration when I was a kid's pastor called chocolate pie. We had a chocolate pie, and I'd call the little children up, and I'd say, you can have this chocolate pie. It's the best chocolate pie. It looked delicious. And that kid would be ready to eat it. We're going to do a contest and see how fast you can eat it. And I had that kid rearing to go. He'd have a fork and knife in his hands, And he'd be ready to eat and tear into that chocolate pie. And, and I'd rear up the kids and I'd say, oh, all right, y'all ready to see this? Yeah, all right, you ready to eat it? Yeah, I was like, all right. Ready, set, wait a minute. And what you need to know about that chocolate pie is right before I put it out here, I put a little bit of dirt in it and a little bit of worms in it. And just a little bit of stuff in it. All right, you ready to eat it? Let's go. All right, you ready? And of course, unless you have a weird kid up there, (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Uh, Back to 95% organic, which means there's 5%. And it even says the remaining 5% could be allowed ingredients. Any architectural ingredients in the product must be organic unless unavailable. So it's 95% unless it's unavailable at the time you made the run for the organic apple juice. Then you can just put whatever you want in there. It's fine. Well, what does organic ingredients mean? Okay. In order to have the label of made with organic ingredients, which is what we just talked about, it cannot wear the USDA organic seal. It it must have the following characteristics. 70% of organic ingredients. The remaining 30% must be allowed ingredients or non-organic architectural ingredients. Okay, so what we found is in order to have an organic label, you guys have seen it in the store, they cost more. I'm going to get this organic thing because it just tastes better. I just feel better about the sustainability of this one right here. And I buy that, and then I understand that unless organic ingredients weren't available, this is probably going to be 95% organic. And that means that 75, 70% of the 95% might be organic unless it was unavailable at that time, and then they could have put whatever in there. But I'm going to buy this one. You with me? So all that being said... Can we trust Jesus? And can we also just not get sucked in to the, I guess, marketing of it all? Buy organic, go for it, do it. All right, one more thing about food, and then I have something hopeful. Did you know that science has got involved again? And now they're involved with, flavoring of your foods but before you worry when you look on the back of your food products you're going to find different things that are listed in the food products you with me now if it's got natural flavors then that's one category now if it's got artificial flavors then then that's another category altogether but can I just tell you that they both mean the same thing. So when you're looking on the back of your food next time or when you're getting ready to eat your Fruity Pebbles tonight before you go to bed, what they've done is tried to put stem cell flavoring enhancements in our food. There is a company called Symtex. Pepsi uses them. Kraft has used them. Campbell's Soup has used them. Actually, it's called Cinemix, Cinemix. not Cinnamon Toast. Anyway, it's called something. It's here on my paper. Right here. They find these stem cells called HEK293 from aborted fetal tissue. Days of Noah, everything man does or thinks. So, our world has gotten to a place where aborted fetal tissue is found in the labs of food distribution products to help enhance the flavor. Pastor? Are we all fasting till Jesus comes back? No. I just, I'm just telling you, to me, it's another testimony that we are in the last days. Because why in the world would humanity feel the need, because according to what I found out, they can get flavor-enhancing things in a million different ways, but companies are actually choosing this path just because they want to support abortion. It's heartbreaking to say the least, but at the end of the day, watch the water, watch the food, And make sure you pray over your meals. (laughs) Man, this is a heavy one. All right, let's talk about something fun. Here we go. I need my glasses for this one. (laughs) All right. As you know, you are to be students of the word. But as you also know, I like to throw things at you here in uh, the prophecy hour to make you go, hmm, could it be? Are you ready for one of those? Okay, a couple of you. rest of you, you can just take a nap. Genesis chapter 6, 4. Genesis chapter 6, 4, it says... So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, large animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. And then we go into chapter 7. Flood covers the earth. Let me find the right passage here. Verse 17, For 40 days the flood waters grew deeper, covering the ground, lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher above the ground, boat floated. Verse 21, All the living things on the earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, all the people. Everything that breathed, say breathe, and lived on the dry land died. So, And is called what? The word and. Conjunction. It ties two things together, correct? So the scripture says that everything that breathed and lived on dry wind. How many of you guys have seen the movie Water World? Kevin Costner? Come on. I watch it every time it comes on TV. Waste four hours of my life. At the end of the day, The Scripture says that Nephilim was there in the days of Noah and sometimes after. The Nephilim being a race of giants, the result of fallen angels having sex with women, human women, and basically a race of things, hybrids, uh, spiritual and natural beings Was birthed from this. It was an abomination to the Lord. And one of the the things that Noah, it says that he found favor with God, it said that he was righteous before God, it also says he was blameless before God. But if you dig into that, it talks about Noah being pure. So the entire earth was tainted in this way that the DNA, many believe, the DNA of the population saved Noah was damaged because of this issue regarding the Nephilites. Why is that important? Because I wonder why the scriptures would draw a line to that there were Nephilites on the world then and sometime after. How'd they get after? If every living thing died during the flood, how'd they get after? Three ideas. Three ideas. Number one. The DNA survived the flood through one of the people with Noah. Noah had three sons, and they also had three wives. Noah and his wife were pure before the Lord. His sons, as a result of Noah and his wife, pure before the Lord. But what about the three wives? Well, many people believe that one of the wives was responsible, the one who gave birth to Cush and, and Nimrod later, carried that DNA of the Nephilim with her. Another idea would be that fallen angels revisit the daughters of men in Scripture, but we don't find that listed in Scripture. We don't see the fallen angels coming again and reviving that idea. Could be, or somehow, the Scriptures qualifies the Nephilim as something different than human. So if people are now so flawed and so damaged and so far away from God's original intent, then are they still people? When the scripture says that an angel, a man or a woman, a human or a person, talks about animals, talks about all these things, and it qualifies Nephilim or Nephilim people. So three ideas. Number one, and I think the most likely, is that the DNA made it through one of Noah's son's wives. Could be that some of the Nephilim waterworlded it. It sounds silly, but there were flood, there were flood days, and so it's not far-fetched. And it could be that when God qualifies that the people who both breathed and lived on land, you with me? Let's have a vote. How many of you guys think it made it through in one of Noah's son's wives' DNA? She was somehow flawed. All right. How many of you guys feel like there weren't people that God had qualified them as something for and something different? Okay. All right. How many of you guys think they water-worlded it and they just floated around until nobody's on that one? I kind of like that one. I got, I, that's how I picture it. Like, oh, oh, he, oh anyway. It's a a Pirate of Caribbean kind of thing that I picture in my head. Yo-ho. Anyway. Why is this important? Well, we've talked about before that the evil of the world was a result of fallen angels being joined with humanity through the, the daughters of men. We've also talked about what the scripture talks about, about how the spirit of the Antichrist, 1 John chapter 4, 3, that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here and at work. So while we don't know who the Antichrist is, the spirit of Antichrist, which is against God, is already present and already at work in a variety of ways and even people that allow that to happen in their life. So we understand that there's the spirit of Antichrist and there's also the Antichrist, which is to come. Paul even talks about, I believe it's Paul that talks about there are many Antichrists, people that rise up against the work of Jesus Christ. Now, in Daniel chapter seven, ooh, I'm gonna do this in four minutes. (laughs) Okay, I gotta do it. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I want to show you, to show you a couple pictures. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you. I, and I, can't, I don't have time. Okay, Nimrod. Remember Nimrod? Yes. Built the Tower of Babel, positioned himself against God. He said, we're going to be like God. We're going, to, we're going to build this up to God. And they said, if we build this tower, we won't scatter. We'll stay close. And this is Nimrod. And the Bible says that he was the first warrior upon the earth. So if Nimrod, in chapter 8, Cush was also the ancestor of Nimrod, who was the first heroic warrior on the earth, this is the part that makes me think that there may have been a water world type of thing. But at the end of the day, Nimrod, first warrior on the earth, greatest hunter in the world, became proverbial, famous, architect of the ancient city of Babylon in 2003. In 2003, do I even want to do this? In 2003, a little thing happened in Iraq. Wall Street Journal reports and many other reports since then that they found the treasure of Nimrod, survived by 2,800 years, buried in a dusty town in northern Iraq, 12 years tucked away in a vault. They found the treasures of Nimrod. You know what they also think they found? (laughs) Him. Nimrod, also known as Gilgamesh, by the way. You want to see the picture I found? Show so that picture of the guy. <laughs> all right, so, listen, it, this is funny. But this is really hard to find. I, I, I hate to say it. All right, you can take that down. Think about science. They're manipulating DNA. We all know they've cloned sheep right? You know that, right? They're trying to be God, which is the sin of pride, which is the original sin. Spirit of Antichrist is in the world. The Bible tells us, and I don't have time to get into it, but the Bible tells us that the Antichrist is one who the false prophet brings back to life after an injury. Nimrod died by an injury to his head. And the Bible says that. Does that mean that they're going to bring that guy back to life? I don't think so. But can I tell you, it wouldn't shock me if there was a a way to figure out. You guys know that they freeze people today so they can bring them back later. You know they do that. There's people that we, we see it in movies, but I'm telling you they're doing it. Just go online. You can actually find that one easy. Freeze my body and bring me back later. To take the DNA of the most infamous, many people, evil warriors that have, has ever lived that they think they found in 2003, and the reason why I talk about the Wall Street Journal and the article of 2003 is they found the treasures to extract this DNA and say... Maybe, maybe we can revive this person in a different way. Is it far-fetched? I don't think in today's world it is. Not with what they're doing. Now, is it far-fetched for me to show you a video next week, the guy getting up? Yes. But last week, somebody sent me a video of someone that was putting hologram videos in the clouds and saying it was Jesus returning. And you may have seen it. And it looks very real. So all of this being said, Nimrod being the one who, can I just tell you right now, If you study the occult and you begin to look into Luciferianism and you look into into some of these evil things, they hold this man up as a god. This man Nimrod. Because the scriptures tell us that he was a warrior and it talks about the Nephilim being the warriors and heroes of the day and the line actually connects. So if he was this type of leader then there's a spiritual nature to this thing that we just walked into, and Ecclesiastes 1.9 tells us this. There's nothing new under the sun. I'll finish with this. Modern-day Tower of Babel. Here's the picture of uh, artist, artistic rendering of the Tower of Babel. You see the top guy named Peter... Uh, painted that picture, and on the right, it's a cartoon version of the same picture. The the building on the bottom is the headquarters of European Parliament, and they said, and it is advertised in that lobby of that building, that it is based on that picture of the Tower of Babel. They have created their own Tower of Babel, which the world government of the EU, the parliament, meets in. Every time we walk down this road, we begin to see not just a nod to the past, but an audacious, prideful look. We're doing it in the face of the one, of God. Inverted pentagrams on the top side. All that being said, time is short, friends, and we need to be diligent about it. Can I tell you one more rumor before we leave? This is, this, is, this is a rumor. <laughs> I better not record this one. <laughs> it has been said that a certain individual went over to the Middle East to observe the extraction of this body that I just showed you. A certain individual a Politician whose husband was the president for eight years, and she was never the president herself. (laughs) I read it when I was doing the research. Oh, God. (laughs) Wouldn't that be scary? Merge those two together. Woo, talk about merger. All right, you ready? Next week, we're going to talk about more stuff. I have no idea what. No, I do. It's going to be fun. Let's pray. Lord, give us hope. Help us, God, to continue to trust in you. And Lord, I just pray. I pray that you would help us to be salt and light as we talk about some of these things that are just really far out there. And some of of these things are just very real and right in front of us. Pray you just help us to have discernment. Help us, Lord, to walk in your joy that even when we look around in the headlines, there's one bad thing after another, we know that our hope is in you. And may you bless us. Help us continue to walk in your favor. Help us, Lord Jesus, to reach the lost with our lives and with our words as we are out there in the workplace and in the neighborhood. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great night.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church.